womanology podcast. Sarah, yep. <laughs> what would you do mm-hmm. if you uh, were drinking your tea or coffee or whatever, yeah. matcha, whatever, chai, latte, whatever you have? I like all of those things. And you discovered toenail clippings. Pardon? Your husband's <laughs> or your toenail clippings. My own? Well, I don't know. How would I know they were my own? Well, you wouldn't know that you're your own, but you discovered enough of them that mm-hmm. you realized that they were probably, uh, and, and you experience this frequently enough that you realize that it's probably not a frequently. mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Imagine not noticing they were there and like accidentally swallowing some oh. and getting cut a little bit. Oh. <laughs> I, I can't even, I, I can't even think about it. Dear Prudence. Received a letter this week. Yep. <laughs> My husband won't pick up his toenail clippings, so I put them in his coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which you is know. only the <laughs> which is only the second best headline to hold on, wait for it. <laughs> My boyfriend has a habit of rubbing his index finger between his toes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then smelling his finger. <laughs> Smelling his fingers to make sure, to make they sure don't th- smell. He will, he also, will also do this with his balls. <laughs> <laughs> He'll do it repeatedly, five to ten times. Then, without washing his hands, because according to him, if it doesn't smell, that means it's clean. He will oh go and touch other household items. <laughs> Who are these women marrying? It's usually after he showered recently, but it still grosses me out. You think? <laughs> right. Right. But also, like, that makes it even more confounding. It's after he showered? <laughs> what? That's not maybe compulsive, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I... <laughs> Let's go back to the toenail clippings. <laughs> okay. Because quite rarely is Prudence truly flustered <laughs> yeah this the, in the question sat in her inbox for a month she said <laughs> because you know this this op has has tried to have conversations about it right and she's come at it from every angle and this dude won't stop cutting his toenails in the living room and just leaving the clippings on the floor can we talk about just how disrespectful that is, how lazy that is? Right? It's hard to be mad at her for putting the toenails in his Not at, I, I can't be mad at her. I'm not mad at her at all. <laughs> Neither I, is Prudence. <laughs> I, I just... <laughs> the whole thing is so utterly disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you, it's the level of contempt that I... I can't imagine living with like imagine hating someone that much so much <laughs> yeah it's whew, yeah it's, it's lot right to unpack. yeah a lot to unpack in couples therapy although i frankly would say just divorce him <laughs> yeah and move on speaking of moving on sarah uh, yeah i got a text this week mm-hmm. from a guy Mm-hmm. That I had met uh, a, 
I, I met him walking my dog. Okay. He's not walking my dog, walking one of my dogs. Mm-hmm. And he's another dog walker. And sounds we... like a good dude. Sounds like a good dude. And he sent me a text the other day and said, now I had previously, we had exchanged numbers because we were trying to keep each other in the loop of potential like jobs. Yes. So I got wind of a job needed for a groomer. So I sent him a text and he replied and he said, oh, thank you. And then he sent another text a couple days later and said, would you be interested in getting together um, for coffee and chatting? Uh-huh. Uh, now, fun fact, he's maybe 27. Right. And also, I don't coffee, know. Coffee shops are closed, right? Well, so we're here. just talking about like bodega coffee. Uh, no, well, I mean, yeah, yes and no. Um, yeah, Bodega Coffee. There are a couple of coffee shops here and there that okay. um, I, I don't even know. Whatever. Okay. In any case, he could be trying to uh, get me to like to talk to me about jobs. Sure. Very possible. I just wish he had said that. And yeah. I don't want to be presumptuous and think he's asking me out. <laughs> Because I don't think, I don't know if that's it. Either way, I didn't respond. Yeah. Uh, for a number of reasons. That's an option. I didn't respond for a number of reasons. And the main one being that when I have interacted with him, I've gotten that vibe. That vibe of, ooh, something's not right here. Hmm. And I decided to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that he's a, a dog person because usually dogs will let you know when someone is a creep. Well, not necessarily because, yeah. no, I mean, I think creep might be the wrong word. Um, I think there's just something about him that I, I think he might like latch on. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that's a, that's a different thing. <laughs> and... I don't want that. Yeah. And I don't want to be put in that position. There's just something's not right there. That would, that would be an uncomfortable position. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So I haven't responded. He called the other day. You don't want a mentee right now? (laughs) (laughs) A mentee. (laughs) No, no, I do not. Hmm. Uh, He called uh, two days ago and I didn't pick up. And I just thought, okay. What? You're telling me he used the phone as a phone? I know. He, well, he was, he was cut, he was cutting, he was cutting. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see why I had that slip in a moment. Uh, He was, he was cutting Hunter's uh, nails. That was the job that I gave him. I got, I referred him for. And so I don't know if maybe the call was about Hunter. And again, like, I don't want, I, I could be making this up in my head, but I, I just, I trust my gut. Yeah. And it's, not to mention, it's weird even that if he's you, calling you, he can text well, like he, everyone else. Yeah. It, it's, again, it could just be that he is looking for like a peer to talk to, like someone yeah. who does what he does and maybe knows the people in the same neighborhood. But, uh, yeah, I, I just felt weird. It just made me feel weird. So I didn't respond. Okay. So sometimes people don't respond because we think you're creepy. 
Yeah. And there you have it. Lesson learned. See you all next week. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> uh, okay. We're going we're gonna to switch gears a bit and we're going to talk about female friendships for a second. I sent you two articles mm-hmm. from Medium. You did. Both of which honestly made me want to gouge my eyes out. And I'm just going to say that. And you said it yesterday. What did you say yesterday about Medium? Oh, what did I say about Medium? Um, uh, something like it's it's become a haven for internalized misogyny. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with this site. Um, because, so the first one we're going to talk about is is called Why Mean Girls Become Mean Women. I remember and... exactly what I said about this article. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do too. <laughs> this is a family show though. It is? No. In 2006, I was a new mother and working outside the home. It was a luxury to read a book, not about breastfeeding or sleep training. Watching the nighttime comedy drama, Desperate Housewives, was a welcome escape into another world. And you know what this reminds me of? No. That opening? <laughs> what? Of that that Guardian article that we wrote, that we read about Carolyn Calloway, about online gossip. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. Where she's opening, she's reading the Reddit, right. or she's reading one of the forums about The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm seeing some, some similarities here. Yes. Uh, so on, on Desperate Housewives, Wisteria Lane was in a neighborhood filled with women in midlife. They held parties, backyard barbecues, blah, blah, blah. They were the, the women were there for a pinch of cinnamon, a clove of garlic, or a shoulder to cry on because their mother-in-law was visiting. And then this not, next line kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> Where there is a group of women, there is drama. Yeah. Yeah. And where there's drama, there's always a mean girl. This is what made the show so relatable. Yeah. Um, First of all, was that show relatable? (laughs) That show was... I didn't think it was supposed to be. (laughs) Right. That's what they... That's... It it was a fictionalized... Yeah, it was ridiculous. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like... It's partially satire, I would say. Right. It was kind of campy. Right. It started out that way. And then I, I didn't watch all of it, but I know season one definitely um i wouldn't would not characterize that way (laughs) right uh let's see it was a good show though uh for the first couple of seasons and then it just went on too long and should have ended like two three seasons went before it did oh yeah i only saw Uh, season one oh yeah season one was good anyway (laughs) i was a quiet child yeah in our traditional southern household we went to the baptist church every sunday and knew better than to talk back to mama (laughs) Children did as they were told, and that was that. Following the rules helped me avoid a slap across the face, or worse, the wooden paddle. I had a heart that bled for people who were treated unfairly, those who didn't fit in because of the way they looked, where they lived, or because they didn't go to church. Mm -hmm. Through my early teens, I remained quiet and introspective. I hate this woman. Um... (laughs) It's because you're a mean girl. <laughs> uh, it's uh, I must be, because this woman so clearly thinks she's so like so much better than everybody else. Yeah. And oh, I'm so I'm just so sensitive. No, no, you're just a fucking crybaby. That's all you are. Anyway, well, 
Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, my quiet nature attracted mean girls. I loved helping and pleasing. They loved being my friend when they needed test answers, homework help, or someone to listen when their boyfriend broke up with them. But when they were with their clique of friends, they ignored or bullied me. Space wasn't made at the lunch table. They scrunched up their noses and asked where I bought my clothes. The time I was invited to one of their slumber parties, I was the perfect target for a Bloody Mary joke. Ugh. You know what? Honestly, I find stories about childhood bullying so fucking, like, just exhausting. Um, a lot of them can be. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, like there's... I, this is maybe an unpopular opinion, <laughs> but <laughs> so much of this is not bullying, right? Like, you're, this, what is being described here is just, like, growing up. Growing up. Typical. It's, it's uh, pushing Learning boundaries. about people. You know, right. I mean, it's not it's it's not the same as being bullied. Being disappointed is not the same as being bullied. Yeah. Um, she wasn't so much bullied as she uh, saw herself as a victim in this situation. Well, doesn't she also seems to be a person who just doesn't learn. Doesn't like women. <laughs> well, that well, that comes later. Yeah. But I mean, it. she just she just never learns right like if you have an experience of someone that like oh you think you think you're friends but then when they're in front of their real friends they ignore you learn that those aren't your friends maybe don't go to their house for a sleepover i don't know yeah i, I recognize that this is victim blamey but a lot of it is like come on man like, <laughs> like don't don't be a doormat read the room yeah. Yeah, hold on. Okay. So on Wisteria Lane, I live in circles of playdates on her Wisteria Lane she's talking about. I live in circles of playdates, backyard parties, book clubs, and end of the year, end of the year pool celebrations. When we moved in, a neighbor welcomed us with reassurance. You're going to love it here. The, the gr these girls on this street have no drama. We're all too old for that shit. I believed the fairy tale. I dreamed that drama would be about the kid who bit another at a play date. Talk would be about the person who let their dog poop in a neighbor's yard. I thought everyone would be accepted for what they offered this little slice of the world. I hoped for no mean girls. Over 10 years, my children matured out of play dates and into public school. Friendships shifted. The women on Wisteria Lane, who were closest friends, disappeared when my husband was diagnosed with stage four cancer. A few years ago, a mean girl moved in nearby. I'm not her idea of a good time. I am sober. Oh, oh really? Really? Because <laughs> you seem really fun. <laughs> you, oh, I'm glad she finally hit on that. <laughs> like, I, I, I think we hit on the problem. Right. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> I mean, right. You're not, being bullied is not the same as being disliked. It's not yeah. the same. Yeah, maybe people just got tired of you fucking whining all the time <laughs> and feeling sorry for yourself and whatever, Natalie. So I am sober and... <laughs> Sometimes you're the Caroline. Sometimes you're the Natalie Sometimes and this bitch the is the Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to point out she's still, she's still doing that thing where it seems like she'll still help this person do her favors... And then go home and cry about how this this woman doesn't really like her. Well, then stop helping her. <laughs> what are you, um, why uh, are you doing this? Why are you doing this? 
I am sober and flawed with life experiences that bleed too much into her reality of rainbows and unicorns. Yep. What? Okay. Again, this we're hitting on it. This this is why people don't like you. You fucking Debbie Downer. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, you're a drag, as they as the kids said in the sixties. <laughs> I don't know. What would the kids say now? Something about a vibe. Bad vibes all around. Bad, weird flex. <laughs> Does that even work? I don't even know if that works. I feel old. I smile and interact at neighborhood parties. She never sees me sweat. I help her fix her refrigerator. I've held her child's hand and led him home and his bicycle's broken. Again, why? 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 I don't get invited to her parties or land pictures on her Facebook page like the other women on Risteria Lane, the ones who say nothing because they fear rejection. Or because they want to go to the party and enjoy themselves. Right. Mean girls catch adult women off guard. We feel our tribe is a safe place with immunity from exclusion, jealousy, gossip, and games run by cheating through life. Relational aggression is the term Della Sega, it's an author of a book she links, uses to explain behaviors that damage someone's relationships or social status. She explains in her book this dynamic commonly found she explains in her book this dynamic commonly found in groups of women. Age, no, time, and maturity. No. Nope. <laughs> no. No. People, adult women can form their own opinions. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I think it just has to do with groups you join. Jesus just, Christ. Just being unlikable. <laughs> just, it's not just, the same as being bullied. Uh, there's an entire... Let's say, What crayon colors a person's soul... The color of exclusion, the oh one that God. fills in the... I know, right? Like, oh my God, listen to yourself. You are insufferable. Yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I want to bully this person. Yeah, now I want to bully her. And this is what I mean. And there are people... My sister, my sister, God bless her. She's one of those people that when people meet her and get to know her, she's so... She's just such a drag that people just want to bully her sure you know like it it this is a it's a i don't know it's a dynamic that's almost exclusively created by people who enjoy being feeling like a victim i have a i have my own name for this i call it the the pam syndrome pam oh that's my sister's name (laughs) oh well i just i just met pam from the office (laughs) oh well see i never saw the office I so this is another unpopular opinion, um, and I I have seen every season of The Office. So Pam as a character does change, but those first seasons when she's uh, engaged to Roy, but like openly flirting with Jim, she's mm-hmm. just so sad and pathetic that she is yeah. insufferable. She yeah. refuses to do anything to help her situation. It like it she is an unlikable character <laughs> right thank god she changes yeah um I, this woman doesn't though i i, I spoiler well. <laughs> alert people she doesn't change not in this essay uh, anyway not in this essay and i doubt in life uh okay let's move on to the next fucking <sighs> okay i i want to i want to finish out that paragraph go ahead oh, oh i'm sorry hold on hold on what? hold on Go ahead, read it. Go for it. What crayon colors a person's soul the color of exclusion? The one that fills in the heart of a mean girl. She is blinded from seeing the rainbow of humanity. (laughs) 
There's an entire box of crayons to befriend in this world. Color your heart beautiful. I can't. This. <laughs> I can't. My heart is black reading this. My, and I don't apologize I think my for heart it. My heart could be a rainbow and I could still just not like you. <laughs> you know, like you just you're, you're not we're not all going to be friends and I We're not all going to be friends, okay. sweetheart. We're not just because we're all women doesn't mean we all have to get along. Well, and just because we're all women doesn't mean that there's something inherently wrong with the way women relate to each other or that we're bullying you if we decide we don't right. like you. <laughs> right. And not the same. just because there might be some conflict, that doesn't mean it's drama. Conflict is common with people with different opinions and viewpoints. You know, if you expect right. to be in a situation where there's never any conflict and you agree about everything... Uh, what world do you live in? And can I move there? Because that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And she's painting it that as drama. No, that's just human interaction. Right? <laughs> idiot. Okay. It, Spe yeah. Speaking I of idiots. hurt my eyes rolling in with this one. <laughs> oh, the, the one I'm about to read or the one I just read? The one, one about the crayons. <laughs> uh, okay. Here's another one. What to do if you struggle with girlfriends? Not all girls find a best friend for life, and that's okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, she opens this essay rationalizing and assuring everybody that she loves women. She really... Women are great. Yep. She just prefers the friendship of guys. Right, right, right. <laughs> I admire everything about us, our strengths our ins and sensitivities, the way we fight injustices, our compassion, courage, beauty. Of course, we don't always agree, and sometimes we clash. Sometimes we even tear each other down. Oh, like you're about to do in this essay? Okay. Yeah. Right. Still, I'm always enchanted by female energy. Also, not a thing. Not a monolith. Female energy, male energy, not a thing. Right? Let's just be clear about that. Uh, I want There's to hear- There's only good, good vibes and bad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> i want to hear all our stories i love how strongly we can oh my god we get it you're totally not a misogynist except when you are but i have a history of struggling with female friendships it's why in recent years i've been shy as hell around women and it used to annoy me a lot the more successful and powerful the woman next to me was the more self-conscious i felt the more i okay and this is she just carries on like this throughout the essay yeah this one also, um, interestingly, opens up with, you know, flashbacks of school and being on the volleyball team and getting harassed by women for not being good at volleyball. Yeah. Again, these are all childhood wounds that haven't healed and that are now like they're, they are the roots of jealousy insecurity competitiveness with other women mm -hmm. uh what did she say at school the girl i wanted to be best friends with enjoyed attention from multiple others and she knew how to keep us on our toes i remember feeling over the moon every time she announced you're my bestie now um only to turn her back on me a week later walking away with someone else now okay here's another example of this so this should prove this is what happens right. with kids not right. just, and it's not just females. No. Not just girls. No. Guys do, bo little boys do this too. 
believe it or not. You know, like, what are you trying to say that we're, like, from birth, we're ingrained? We're inherently to... disloyal. Right. <laughs> I'm not talking to you anymore, I should say. She is my best friend now. This went on and off for a long time, well into our teenage years. Bitch, why would you? Why stay friends with her? Right. Whose fault is that? Yours. Rhetorical question alert. Every friendship I jumped into, I invested in it with an open heart and adored the girl unconditionally. Note again, notice the similarities of I am just a, a I'm a box of crayons. <laughs> oh my God. All my crayons are pink and red and purple and orange, but all the colors of the sun and the moon and the unicorns and good stuff. I am good. <laughs> Um, one lasted around a year, but we grew apart and quick, quickly we, as we, and as quickly as we first connected, uh, grew apart as quickly as we first connected, then came a cherished bond with this beautiful rebel angel who I looked up to and loved to bits and who took me to my first ever real night out. Things ended when she died in a car accident. Well, how dare she? <sighs> women, can't be friends with women. God damn it. They die on you all the time. <laughs> there Can seemed I to be a pet. Can we what? back back up for a second and of course and and maybe just talk about how perhaps this person has been consistently disappointing because they're not at all discerning, right? Like, if, am I to believe that every person she meets she considers a friend? Right, that's what she would have me believe. Remember how I just said I didn't text that guy back because uh -huh. I was afraid he would latch on, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've felt that same way about women as well. Nailed it. Nailed it. Oh, I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have it anymore. But okay. I I have felt that. And you can tell when a woman's going to be like just always up your ass with texts and emails and this and that. And, and I will back away from that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Because I think I'm just... people also forget that there are different kinds of friendships too, right? I mean, right. If all of your friendships require this much time and attention, no wonder you're consistently disappointed. Right. Right. Not everyone will put up with that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially and, in their adult years. Right. And something else to, to realize, too, is that, you know, we hear a lot, a lot of times, and I think it's actually in this essay or was in the previous one and I just didn't read it, where they talk, oh, it's in the comments. Ugh where they bring up the whole she got a boyfriend and then she got married and oh, you know right. we and just she drifted abandoned apart. me yeah and she abandoned me no yeah. no see she just moved on to another part of adult life that some people move on to right and most friends most adults know and accept like oh things are going to change now like i know when i knew when my friend karen got married and moved in with her boyfriend i was like okay that means I shouldn't call at a certain time. Um, she's not going to be as available. It just is what it is. Yeah. You know, because now she's yeah. sharing a space with somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, this chick clearly doesn't get this. Um, my last best friend was incredibly real. For some time, we had so much fun. We were completely honest with each other and supported each other equally. We laughed and cried together. We helped each other through moves and jobs, struggles, went on double dates and danced countless nights away in the most insane raves. It was fantastic. Until the inevitable deja vu. 
My old friend from school is coming to live in London, she said one day. Tiny, sharp pain pinched at my heart. I immediately waved it away. That's amazing. Over the next few weeks, I tried hard, and I think she did too, but their bond was older, more established, rooted. The three of us went out together a lot, and somehow... And I somehow couldn't breathe as freely. Heartache and jealousy. Yep, pretty much. At least you're self-aware. Yeah. It, I mean, this this does happen. Yeah, it it's does just, happen. It's just not supposed to be this devastating. <laughs> because you're you're not supposed to... Be that to dependent one on one person. Right. Go to one person for every emotional need. Right. And that's... And, and, and this, what, this is the, the crux of it. Is that she is projecting all of her shit onto this one person and the one person probably feels really really burdened by it probably um they talked about people i didn't know and events i hadn't been at they bounced off each other's jokes suddenly i felt like an awkward mismatch the dreaded third wheel there was always the option to i don't know go find other friends well right or or maybe just like try to adjust to this new group dynamic because mm-hmm. if your friend is truly your friend, just because another older friend shows up doesn't mean doesn't mean you're not her friend, right? It's right. Just you have the, to figure out your place in the group. Right. So one of two things are happening. Either one, the author is projecting all of her shit onto the situation and seeing what she wants to see and not what's really there. Mm-hmm. Or two, the friend was so suffocated by this woman's neediness that she used the other friend to pull away. Also possible. <laughs> or it was or both. both. Yeah, can't it be both? <laughs> yeah, it's not as simple as we were super close friends and then this other woman came along and then, then my friend dumped me. No, that's mm. not how true friendship works. No. 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 <laughs> that's, not how, that's not how any of this works. Nah, that's not it. <laughs> Uh, Okay, blah, blah, blah. A non-binary coffee buddy opened a new door. It wasn't until more recently when I met someone, when I met some people who described themselves as gender fluid that I understood where I was letting myself down. Woof. Oh. (laughs) Like where this is going. (laughs) Nothing problematic here. (laughs) I went for a few coffee. I went for continue. I went for a few coffees with this lovely non-binary human. Just say person. Like, why do you? you yeah. She's so proud of herself. Mm-hmm. Guys, guys, I'm so progressive. I have a non-binary hu- human friend. Good for you. <laughs> uh, friend. <laughs> so you have a friend. <laughs> yeah. Who's previously had their own fair share of limiting gender presumptions projected on their life. Sure. Also known as she or he or they, whatever their pronouns are, uh, likes to complain as much as I do. <laughs> well, they help. I don't. I don't think that's what that is. I think. I think one person, uh, the author here, has had had experiences that she's assuming are because she is a woman, right? And then there's someone who has authentically grappled with their gender identity. And that's a different struggle. But the author is equating them. Of course she is. Yeah. Because she's a white woman. Of course she is. I've suffered just as much as you, if not more. Right. Uh, they they helped me realize I'd been fencing myself off by letting no, past it. That's, that's the opposite of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> nope. 
They helped me realize I'd been fencing myself off by letting past events hold so much importance today. And also, ironically, that I have been focusing on gender too much. Oh? <laughs> well, go on. <laughs> I'm listening. I had great friends, mostly guys. Shocking. Was I unconsciously shutting myself away from women because I expected they would hurt me again? Well, the first part of that sentence is accurate. Yes, you were. Oh, no, unconsciously? No, you were very conscious about it. Yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, you do not like women. I wasn't being fair. In fact, I was doing the exact thing I otherwise always avoid, projecting expectations on people based on which toilets they use in a bar. Right. Okay. Um, this sounds like a kind of... I don't know. It's kind of like she's admitting, but doesn't realize it, that um, she is acknowledging her internalized misogyny. Yeah. By not really acknowledging that it's misogyny. Like she thinks her views of women are kind of normal, but not misogynistic. Are well, not rooted in misogyny. That's misogyny for you, right? Right. It runs deep. It runs deep. What would happen if I opened up contact? hope opened up to connect with people as humans as individuals what if i threw the whole binary concept out the window for a while navigating the new idea changed my entire perspective if you are worried about not having a best girlfriend you're not alone many of us don't quality friendships can be hard to find and even harder to maintain every situation is unique and reasons differ but one thing remains the same there's nothing i i don't i this just feels like a humble brag of, hey, guys, I have a non-binary friend. Um, I wouldn't call it a humble brag, but I, I think it is um, sort of fetishizing this this person as like, this is this is the manic pixie dream girl of this essay, right? Like we've we've put all of our hopes and expectations onto this one person and. They changed the narrative completely. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. not great. It's not great. Um, okay. So what's the takeaway here, Sarah? Medium is <laughs> where you go to work out your problems with women. <laughs> Apparently. If, if you want to seem thoughtful about it without <laughs> actually being thoughtful about it. Oh, it's what a, what a great segue for our the next piece that we're going to talk about <laughs> guys i hope you're not sick of carolyn calloway because boy I, oh well, boy has it been a yeah. week in calloway land <laughs> yeah we should do a spinoff carolinology podcast. carolinology um you know uh, so <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start i don't even know where to start uh this let's start let's start with only fans. Okay. So apparently she has, Carolyn Calloway has started posting uh, semi-nudes to OnlyFans, but uh, she's cosplaying literary characters because of course she is. Right. Um, and she started with Elizabeth Bennett mm -hmm. and she very quickly moved on to Lolita. Oh, before that, I think it was Daisy from uh, uh, Gatsby, Daisy Buchanan. What did she do for Daisy Buchanan? Um, well, I don't subscribe to her OnlyFans, but mm -hmm. it sounds like she bought a dress of some sort. Oh, I don't think she cut her hair. That would be really exciting, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. If she went full flapper. Yeah. And, and any, so 
Yeah. So she, but she posted these nudes after she tweeted out a cartoon. Yes. Um, that like the the tweet said something about you know Natalie when the cut offered her five thousand dollars to exploit my mental illness. Oof, girl, does it get heavy? <laughs> does does feeling sorry for yourself? Like, boy, oh boy, do you ever get tired of that? Um, and the well, apparently she did because her part three is still forthcoming. <laughs> still forthcoming, but there's a reason yeah. for that as we're about to go into, and the graphic that she attached was a cartoon Mm -hmm. and in the cartoon was a man with a large nose uh, holding a stick with money on it and it was uh, being in being carried uh, on some kind of I don't know whatever some some sort of shelf he was carried on something by two much smaller men and the and the appearance looked I mean look if you looked at it what I when I looked at it, I felt uncomfortable immediately. Yeah, I did too. It, it, immediately, uh, Carolyn which, didn't though. <laughs> which means it's a good political cartoon, right? I mean, it's that's what those are for, right? They're supposed to make you uncomfortable. They're supposed, but uh, it's unclear, like what was really going on there. It it did feel. It, it there was a lot more to it. There were a lot of layers to that. Well, I'm not sure why you're not saying what happened. <laughs> it's just that immediately Twitter uh, erupted, lobbing accusations of anti-Semitism at her. Yes, but I felt as though they were valid. Okay, uh, I felt as though um, because, like I said, when I looked at it, it felt wrong, and then when I saw the anti-Semitism. Uh, accusations I thought yeah that's that's it that checks out that checks out Um, and so she apologized and she deleted it but of course you know that's not enough no and here's the thing she kept going (laughs) she kept going and she decided to she decided to um what did she do? Oh, so that's when she started posting the nudes on OnlyFans because she was trying to change the narrative. Well, she was, she was posting uh, nudes everywhere, I think, because, I mean, I've seen her butt now. Yes. <laughs> and I, don't, and the, I don't pay for her OnlyFans. Yeah, and the criticism now is she has this weirdly long butt, and I'm not even going to fucking get into it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> But in in any case, okay. So she's had a week. Mm-hmm. Carolyn Calloway, she, I, I don't even, I, like every time I, I kind of get to a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I root for her. She does something stupid and ignorant. And it was ignorant. And it's not the first time she's been ignorant no. on social media. <laughs> No. You know, so now I'm kind of like, yep, that the can anti-Semitism I, stuff kind of fits. That inevitably, that's kind of what happens when you share every thought that pops into your head. Right, right. <laughs> if all of us were doing this, I mean, we would all be canceled. Yeah, it's... You can't just tweet whatever pops into your head. Yeah, there's no filter. There's no impulse control. And that ultimately is her problem. She does not think anything through. 
Yeah. I would agree. <sighs> I would agree with that assessment. So as a result of this whole brouhaha, uh, Medium resurrected an article that was written in November. And it's called, <laughs> Will Someone Stop Gawking at Carolyn Calloway Long Enough to Help Her? And I'll post yeah. this. And I'm just going to say I am just ragey reading this because it's supposed to be about trauma and this yeah. is this is really just the author it's, it's an excuse for the author to villainize Caroline Calloway under the guise of wanting to help her uh, I would agree with that <laughs> you said you would or wouldn't I, I would yeah yeah um you know I have said over and over again that Carolyn Calloway 100% is, has survived childhood neglect. Mm -hmm. And every, every behavior she's exhibiting is an earmark of trauma. And so it, as much as she frustrates the hell out of me with the, just the ignorant shit she puts out there, yeah. all I think about is this girl has no support system. She has nobody. She has nobody. She's just constantly it's just a, a whirlwind of chaos well and now it's to the point where that is her brand yes so that's that's what a lot of people like about her right they they like the seesaw effect of like you know now we're team callaway oh there's a, there's another problematic thing now now she's redeemed herself and there's another problematic thing and it's this constant you know, cycle it's this constant seesaw of back and forth that i mean i think that's kind of what is keeping her in the public eye yeah i i have to read this opening paragraph from this essay <laughs> if you are here you are likely already familiar with carolyn calloway recently the cut published an article by writer natalie beach who recounted their toxic friendship and business partnership in excruciating detail I commend Natalie for her bravery to step out of the shadows into a very bright spotlight to bring into fuller view what being a friend of, of a narcissistic influencer can be like. This isn't a response to Natalie. It's a plea to those who are now orbiting Caroline to do more than just enable the cycle she is currently perpetuating. Huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I. And this is... Okay. Hold on. While my intrigue around Caroline's story began with the cut article, it is not what has sustained it. Within days of the article's publication, Caroline became a member of an exclusive club of which I joined in 2011, the Dead Dads Club. You know, honestly, this is where I kind of have to stop because I, I'm really getting angry because this woman is using Caroline's, Caroline's instability and, and mental unwellness to talk about herself to make herself feel yeah. and look better and to demonize Carolyn Calloway and I'm fucking over it I'm over it well it's an interesting choice specifically because there's not a lot they have in common like at all yeah it, except that I think both of their fathers died um sure took their own lives but that's that's it yeah that's it and Everybody looks at this girl and they just project. They just project. Like, this is exactly what I, I think of her. This is a perfect example of her critics. They just project their own fucking misery onto her. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. I can't. 
I, I don't understand how Carolyn Calloway deals with this much negativity on such a regular basis. Like, it can't be healthy. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think it is, but... Um, I don't... I mean, I think it probably comes back to priorities, right? And, like, if if your biggest priority is just being talked about, then, well, negative attention is better than no attention, right? And every now and then, we we pepper in some praise, right? Like, the Guardian piece or... The, pub, the other publicity she's gotten as a result of donating um, all that money from her essay series. And yeah. yeah, I think she's... I don't think she knows at this point how not to be a public figure. She doesn't. It's all she knows. Which is what I think is the momentum behind the continual sharing. Right. Right. Um Here's this part, another paragraph. The divergence of our stories is great, but her background is largely mysterious and unclear. She speaks of being, quote unquote, dealt a bad hand as the daughter of a hoarder who suffered from schizophrenia, though her idea of underprivilege is, is skewed by her own very curated life experience. While I spent my teen years in a group home and landed in my first apartment with a full-time fast food job at 17, she spent hers at an exclusive boarding school which led to what she portrayed as an idealized existence at Cambridge University. And again, I ha okay. Just because she had these trappings doesn't make her life any better. It doesn't mean she wasn't suffering. It doesn't mean that she wasn't struggling. And I, I can't say enough that when you grow up in a like if when you grow up in a house full of neglect emotional neglect and you look at this this woman Carolyn Calloway now she is a direct product of that neglect and so big fucking deal she went to Cambridge big deal that you know you think she has money i don't clearly her father didn't have money and i don't think her mother has money i don't know what the story is there but money means shit it, it just doesn't mean anything when you experience the kind of trauma she's experienced. The commonality between everyone who wants to um, continue to, to pick her apart, I think, is that that notion of, of competition, like the who has it worst Olympics. Yes. Yeah. Like it's not a competition. Right. We can all complain about our parents. Right. There's room for everybody. There's room for everybody. And... You know, we read this another essay by that Natalie Beach. Uh, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Do, do you have that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you pull it up? Uh, it's about the the joys of being a wife Ugh, in quarantine. She's, she's fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, let's see. It's it's somewhere on my phone. I gotta get okay. Taco recipe. <laughs> Inside voices is what it's called. The blog. Indoor voices. Indoor yep, voices. Here it is. Yeah, it's called Wife Under Quarantine. It's from March 24th. Um, yeah. it's This is all about um, enjoying the monotony of marriage. But what I, what I struggle with in this piece is this tone of self-pity. Um, I always assume that if I ever did get married, 
It would be at age 70 for tax purposes. Or one day, in a fit of mania, I'd tie the knot with my dog and ruin marriage equality for everyone. Stop. Stop doing that. Are, are, <laughs> stop, okay, but Stop are we, doing that self-deprecating, like, oh, no one can love me. But are we, are we seeing the, the common thread here in the, these essays? Yeah. Where it's just, wah, 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 poor me. I had it hard. Mm-hmm. And it's so not fair. And they uh, these, this is what I'm telling you. This is what I was trying to explain to you. Like her haters, they're all Natalie's. They're all, and we've all had that friend, the friend that we're writing about, that we're reading about today. That friend who just is kind of soul sucking, who is secretly very jealous of you, thinks they're better, thinks they're, they, they are more deserving but and are having a very hard time confronting the reality that you know what they're not they're not better they're not smarter and even if they are none of it matters cuz they're obscenely frightfully jaw-droppingly boring yeah this is a pretty boring blog entry yeah it's they're boring kind of about domesticity and yeah nobody gives a fuck that you're 26 years old and you're shelling shrimp and i don't care i just i i just have such a strong dislike for this girl because she saw an opportunity to make five thousand dollars by selling out her friend or an, even an ex-friend and cherry picking moments and i just i don't like the way she did it uh and i think that the most interesting thing about her is that she used to be friends with carolyn calloway there i said it sorry not sorry uh, definitely is, but that's kind of why the cartoon struck me as um, especially heinous. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily the um, anti-Semitic undertones, which mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see it in there, and it seems like it's not intentionally there like it, it seems to be just a political cartoon about right when you google the when you google right. the cartoon it only comes up in uh, as it being associated with um, articles about republican greed and capitalism right so i didn't um yeah you know i wasn't bristling about anti-semitism as much as i was like the the classism mm-hmm. and the taking a dig at natalie for having to work for a living because I do think their friendship is, it's obviously good fodder for Natalie, right? And right. she does have to work for a living. And I, I also think at this point, Caroline's getting carried away <laughs> with the revenge aspect. Because I don't think that Natalie's piece was really that bad. It, it really, when I read it, it just described two women in their 20s. I mean, like all, all of us. Come on now. Have Come behaved on. selfishly no. <laughs> at no. times. All of us have been bad friends at times. I mm. I didn't think it was that bad. No, I I, I think it. I th- I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was unfair, one sided, heavy handed. Didn't like it. And well, it was one sided, but that's. I mean, that's the nature that's, of that's the nature. But by one sided, I mean right? she just cherry picked the moments and didn't really. She didn't make it clear. She didn't. It's again, like with the essays we just read, these women, these friends who are always being abandoned, they're always perfect. Right. They're always, oh, I'm so great. 
I could possibly have done something wrong. And that's the other thing I didn't like about that essay. It was, I am such a victim. I couldn't have done anything wrong. And that's immediately how I know she didn't give the full story. She told what she wanted to tell. Well, I thought she made herself look a little bad in that it was clear that, you know, that whole friendship was just because she thought that it would be beneficial to her career. I mean, that's that brought some balance to the piece. But I, I still, I don't, maybe I need to go reread it. But I, I don't recall it being this devastating hit piece and character assassination that Caroline Calloway is now claiming that it was. Right. But you know what? You're not Caroline Calloway. You're not the one who was I'm written not. about. You know, it's a very, it's a very, it's a very personal she feels very exposed. She feels very attacked. She feels very betrayed. That that runs deep with her. And again, let's keep in mind, man, this woman is not mentally sound. She's not. Well, right. I mean, <laughs> like I said, it's it's definitely turning into a preoccupation with revenge. Yeah, it's just all every and uh, and just like cruelly name dropping Natalie whenever possible. Yeah, true. Yeah, that I see that. All right, I think we need to get off the Carolyn Calloway thing. And I mean, there will be more next week. I'm yeah, sure. so don't, don't you know, <laughs> we won't disappoint. Can we now talk about? So I sent you, um, I sent you a video this afternoon, mm-hmm. and it's of a Zoom wedding. You don't think this person's going to listen? <laughs> um, you don't think this person's going to listen? No. No. Then let's then let's do this. Oh well, uh, well, no. I, let's. I'm not going to dig too too much into. It. I'm not going to focus on her. I want to focus on me. Okay. Um, you know, I see this stuff on Facebook. These moments yes. on Facebook, and it, they you make see a me lot feel, of Zoom weddings happening. Uh, well, maybe not now, but I see the engagements okay. and all this crap, mm-hmm. and they make me so very sad. Like I'm happy for her. She deserves to be happy. Yeah. But they make me so very sad. This is your Natalie moment. It's my Natalie moment. Wait a minute. <laughs> Jesus. Wait a minute. Hang on, folks. Yeah. <laughs> These are my Natalie moments. <laughs> so, yeah, I have these moments of just feeling like, when is that going to happen to me? And I know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't feel like that. But there is, I, I want those moments. And I, and I do, I think a lot of that comes from, I think a lot of the stuff we feel when we see stuff like that is not necessarily that we want the marriage or that we want the ring or that we want the baby or that we want even the job. We want the moments, right? We want those experiences. Do you want the moments or do you want to share the moments on Facebook? Because those are two different things, I think. <sighs> and and neither of which is about the actual thing. <laughs> They're just different desires. I think when I see somebody get married on Zoom, um, and, mm-hmm. and the backstory is she met this guy in the middle of December middle of March they moved in together and she proposed and they got married today mm-hmm. and the whole time I was like watching this video and I knew the backstory I was thinking 
how, why can't I do that? Why can't I do that? What, like, what is it? I don't know. It just made, I think it made me feel like such a failure. Okay. It made me feel like I failed. And certainly that wasn't, you know, it's not even, it, it, I, I'm making it about me. She looked beautiful. It looked like it was a really sweet ceremony. And again, I want to make it clear. I'm very, very happy for her. But I watched this and I thought, I want that experience. I want that moment. I, and I'm not supposed, but we're not supposed to want that anymore, right? We're not supposed to feel that way. Like, oh, I've, I've missed, I've, I've failed. I didn't do something. I haven't done something. I mean, I, I think it's important to dig into what exactly you want and why you want it. If it's, you know, it's a, again, it's a different thing to want to be able to share the moment and to have the moment, right? And wanting the moment is different than wanting the marriage. Yes. Agreed. And I can't, I don't know. Do you, so do you know? Do you, do you know what it is? I know I want a partnership. Okay. I actually was writing to, I'm almost finished with an essay that I'm going to post on Medium <laughs> about this. <laughs> well, can't beat them, join them. <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, I I want the moment and I, I want a partnership. Um, I, I think I'm just, I haven't fully committed to that idea yet. And maybe that's behind the whole thing. Could be. You know, I have that I've never really committed to the idea of fully and completely sharing my life with somebody else, as in like moving in together, combining households. Well, it's so hard to conceptualize. Is it that? <clears throat> I yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I I kind of think, and I, I've said this before, so I, I don't know if this is a popular opinion or not, but I think a lot of this is just luck based. Yeah. Most people end up married, but whether or not they stay married. I think is mostly coincidental, right? Like I'm sometimes we make bad choices, but usually I think we marry the person that we're with when we're ready to get married, which is not, not a super romantic thing, except if you, except if you think about it, there is something kind of romantic about having the wherewithal to realize like, this is the best I've ever done. Maybe now's the time to pull the trigger. <laughs> like, <laughs> there is something romantic about specifically choosing this person, right? And although mm-hmm. it is probably mostly based on timing, the person obviously does matter. But I think that is mostly based on luck, right? Like the quality of the person, I think. Mm-hmm. Pure luck. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. It just made me sad. It made me cry. I cried right before we got on air. I uh, yep. I, I was well, crying. Well, that's that's fair. That's valid. <sighs> I know. I know. And I just wish I didn't feel this way. Well, yeah, of course. You don't want to feel bad. I think it just reminds me, you know, on a regular 90% of the time, I don't really think about my loneliness. I don't think about that. And watching that video it opened up the floodgates of, of that feeling like that I'm lonely. Well, lots of people are partnered up and are still lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't so, really, I don't. So again, you know, you, you need to 
probably sort out like do you want the moment or do you want the partner because what I just happens want to if... not feel lonely okay all right fair fair yeah you know i want to not feel lonely i want to not feel sad when i see stuff like that i want to be happy for somebody mm -hmm. fully and, and and not just you know partially happy I want to be able to throw my entire weight behind like, yeah, that's great. I'm happy for you. Whether or not I have that or not, I want to be that kind of happy for someone, for her. Do you, do you think that anyone else is experiencing that? In that situation? In any situation. I know what you were going to say. <laughs> do you? We're both, we're both biting our, biting our tongues about this situation. What am I going to say? What am I gonna say? Um, do I think? Yeah, I do. I do I think, think that there are some I people are, who are mostly, mostly happy. I think you're putting pressure on yourself to feel a kind of joy on behalf of others that you you just are not obligated to feel. Obligated, no. But to be able to feel that for somebody means I have felt it for myself. Does well, that make sense? I I mean, I think I, I where I'm going to have to separate from you <laughs> <laughs> is that, I mean, I, I think it's impossible not to look at these milestones as they're being shared and not sort of take stock of your own life and compare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know. And we I, know that we shouldn't do that, but the people sharing these things also know that you're doing that and that's not stopping them. <laughs> so if you, I mean, to, to a large extent, I would argue that, that that's kind of what they're for. So if you feel sad because someone else is sharing this milestone, I was going to say feeling happy, but we don't really know what they're feeling, right? Right. Um, I mean, I, I just, I think that's okay. I don't I don't know that you have to feel so selflessly excited for this person ever like wh whether you have that or not yeah <sighs> I don't know I don't know I am happy for her but I'm sad for me yeah which is and I think fair yeah okay one last thing I, before. I would think it's fair if that's your primary response what sadness yeah yeah i mean any feelings valid it's just i don't know it just makes me feel like three months man she did it in three months i'm fucking miranda and the goddamn end table <laughs> right <laughs> but but again i must reiterate these moments are shared to make you feel this way oh i i don't think she would do that She's like a really not, genuinely not, nice person. I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about the wedding industrial complex. The whole thing about the Facebook announcement and you got to do the photo shoot and like just like all, all of this Ugh. big reveal, yada, yada. Like it's it's supposed to make you feel this way. That's what it's for. That's terrible. It's a terrible business model. Uh, well, people are still getting married, so yeah, true, true. Um, can we talk about sex for a second? Sure. 
Sure. Yeah. So we sure. got a letter. We got a letter uh, okay. from uh, a woman. She doesn't give her name. That's and okay. she's asking about uh, the third date rule. Mm-hmm. And if it's, you know, still a thing. And her question, you can tell I'm vamping. She says, in the barely over 50 dating category, are women still expected to have sex with the guy on or following the third date or the third week for that matter? Hmm. I don't know. Who, where did the three date rule originate? Do you know? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where this probably like one of those pickup artist sites. Oh, I think it predates that. I, Does it? I think it. Yeah, I think it came out of the 90s. Yeah, it's, I don't know where it can, maybe from TV, I don't know. But I do know that it's, it's not a thing in the way that it's been portrayed. It's not about whether or not you sleep with somebody Yeah. after three dates. It's, right. <laughs> I think it's more about whether you're cagey about it. Right. It's more about... Are you letting this person know that you're genuinely interested? You just aren't ready to have a sexual relationship yet, right? Because if they're it's not the... going to assume that, right? Uh, if it's the latter, a guy most likely is going to wait wait around or and continue dating you. They're probably going to have sex with somebody else if they if they really need to get laid. I yeah maybe, but if they genuinely like you. They're going to stick it out. <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Get it? Stick it out. <laughs> oh, wait. Do we, do we still have that one? Hold on. <laughs> we don't have the one that I want. It's... Uh, so they generally wait it out. It's more about making sure that they're not being taken for a fool. Like, uh, they don't want to be, you know buying dinner and buying women, paying for all this stuff for a woman. They're just going to be good friends. If they're just going to be good friends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And if they sense that this woman, it it just isn't really interested in them and is just sort of going along with it because she likes the attention, that's when they're going to blow you off after three dates or however many dates of no sex. Yeah. I I think uh, three dates is the point at which it's time to acknowledge the sex elephant in the room and to say something, right? Which is, it sounds like that you're not ready, <laughs> which yeah, is fine, it, right? But again, if you say nothing, it's not it's not like that is understood to mean like, oh, well, she's still interested. She keeps going out with me. I think you have three, to just acknowledge it. I think three dates is a good amount of time to decide do I want to keep seeing this person? Yeah, I think so too. Which is why I think that it's it's time to acknowledge it. Right. So it's not even just about sex, it's more about three dates is kind of where the rubber hits the the road. Yeah. Do I want to keep okay. seeing this person? Do I want to invest time in this in this situation in this potential relationship? And if not, I'm going to cut bait. And I think a lot of times, let's say they do have sex, and then the guy bails, the woman automatically assumes it's because of the sex and not because the guy, after the fact, 
did a little introspection and said, yeah, this doesn't feel right. Things feel right. Yeah. Um, would have been very nice of him <laughs> to think of that before his peen came out. <laughs> sure. Right? But before he started. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know, though. I mean, sometimes it does take that introspection. Maybe. Sometimes it is about the sex. Sometimes it's just about the sex, and sometimes it's not. So I, I, I don't think that, um, I don't think it's that you're we're expected to have sex by the third date, but we are expected to be very clear in our intentions by the right. third date. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think it's asking too much for everyone to acknowledge by date three that that's that's kind of why we're doing this um say that again what if if you're if you're dating sex is a part of that so it's it's not unreasonable by date three to acknowledge that at some point sex will come up right right so yeah we've already we've talked about this before um like you can't be, you can't get frustrated at, at somebody who wants to have sex after three dates, right? You know, because not just because it's sex, but because I, th- I think a lot of guys take sex as a woman saying, "Yeah, I'm genuinely interested in you," <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I I say. Just make your intentions clear by three dates, and that means, you know, meeting them halfway and doing some of the heavy lifting, even if that means planning the date or paying for a date or initiating email conversations. Just show them that you're interested and that you're attracted to them and that you're not just, you're not just trying to, (laughs) um, you're not just trying to get attention. Mm. So there's my answer. Yeah. You got anything? Any final thoughts? Nope. None? Not on that. No, not How about that. in general? Sorry. Uh, can't wait to see what Caroline does next. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Be careful what you wish for on that one. Uh, <laughs> rate us five stars on iTunes. Follow us on Womenology Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Really follow us on Instagram, please. And follow, join the mailing list. We have uh, some workshops coming up. Go to kristamaraccio.com or womenologypod.com to find out more. Use the code podcast if you sign up and save $5. Sarah, anything? Nothing? Yes? No? Don't don't be the Natalie. Don't be the Pam. <laughs> don't be the Natalie. Don't be the Pam. And good night. Bye. Bye.